curiosity. Deepa, you have an episode on curiosity? Come on, I know how to be curious. Do we even need to talk about it? Well, I'll say a very, very big yes, even though we might consider curiosity to be something basic. This is a skill that we need today in this fast-paced digital world that is getting increasingly complex. So if you want to know more about the seven C's model on curiosity, exactly, there's a seven C's model on curiosity, and how curiosity is unfolding at Novartis, then stay tuned. If this is your first time here, welcome to Meet My Potential podcast, where we talk to leaders from around the world to inspire and ignite your potential. This is your host, Deepa Natarajan, that Indian girl from Toulouse in France. If you're curious to know about a product I'm launching that will help you to make change happen, exactly, that's what I said, a guaranteed approach to make transformation. Does that even exist? Well, I'll say another big yes today. Then sign up to our newsletter so that you can be the first to know when that gets launched. All right, let's get started with our precious guest today. So we have with us today, Simon Brown. Simon is the Chief Learning Officer at Novartis and Garrick Jones is a co-founder of Ludic Group. Simon, Garrick, and Paul are the co-authors of the book, The Curious Advantage. If you haven't got a copy, I'd highly recommend getting that. It's a really interesting book. So we have with us here, Simon and Garrick on the show. Unfortunately, Paul couldn't join us. So let's welcome Simon and Garrick. Hello, and welcome to the show, Simon and Garrick. Thank you so much for being here. How are you guys doing today? Very good. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous, Garrick, that you're calling in from Greece. Such a wonderful place. Well, I was on my own in London for six months. Unfortunately, my family are all all over the rest of the world, and I ended up being locked down by myself. So I think I deserved a little bit of a holiday (laughs) after (laughs) I learned a lot about being by myself. <laughs> I was curious to see how I would turn out, and I didn't go quite as insane as I thought I might. So it was all good. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I have lots of questions for you, but then how often do you use the word curious in a day? Plenty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly, Simon. <laughs> it's, whenever it crops up at home now, my kids come out with the, uh, if you hear curious, it's like, oh, I know a book about that. <laughs> it's become a running joke. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, one of my godchildren who I dedicated the book to from my dedication. His dad texted me yesterday, Simon, just to say, Garrick, uh, Pietro was, uh, was, asking him, was asking me whether it's bad to be curious and I was able to say, no, it's not bad to be curious. And in fact, Garrick has written a book all about it, and he dedicated it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Made my day. Garrick, like, Made my yeah, day. You've written, this book, you've written this book on curiosity, along with Paul, who's unfortunately not here with us, and Simon. So what made the three of you actually get together? <laughs> well, Simon should start that question because it was really Simon's initiative, although we've been working with Simon for many years now, specifically on, on learning and curiosity. But Simon, do you want to talk yeah, about that? Yeah, I can pick it up. So I guess the the idea came from probably April 2019, uh, where in the space of a couple of weeks, two people completely independently said, you should write a book about what you're doing at Novartis. And that was around our, our curiosity journey. 
And so I was having dinner with with Garrick and Poole, who had previously written a book on uh, on digital and was picking their brains around, you know, what was it like to write a book and how did you do it and things. And um, they liked the sound of it and offered to to help and get involved, which was fantastic because I think if it had just been me, there wouldn't be a book. <laughs> it wouldn't have got written. Uh, there'd have been too many distractions. Whereas with the three of us, we were able to come at it from... Uh, diverse sort of thinking and the it changed from being a sort of purely the Novartis story into being more of an exploration around curiosity with the, the Novartis story and other companies' stories sort of weaved throughout it. So, Well, the great thing is that, you know, we're three very different people with um, very different interests. And so you've got this diversity of voices, but also diversity of interests, which really allowed us to come at it from neuroscience and behaviorism and learning, HR, organizational, individual, social, uh, you know, all these disciplinary history. And it all just made for a very rich exploration. The other great thing about our process was it was a little, you know, we're all living in different cities. And so we had to use digital in order to write this book. And we started with a process that was just clustering all our research together in different ways. And we used Evernote. And then once we put all that information together and continually researched and filled up the, the notes, we discovered that there were clusters that sort of suggested themselves not only for the chapters in the book and how we wanted to present it, but also as the knowledge shifted and as we became very clear about what we wanted to say about curiosity, they sort of suggested that our model, the seven C's of um, of curiosity, which we didn't want to create, you know, a model that is the definitive universal model of curiosity. It doesn't work like that. But these are clusters that prove very useful in answering the question, how can I be personally more curious? And how can we em- employ curiosity in the organization the digital age. Why, like, before I go into what is a 7C model, like, why is curiosity so important in organizations? And before, why is curiosity so important in organizations? Simon, like, why was curiosity so important as a journey in Novartis? Yeah, so, I mean, there are many reasons, but I guess if, if we look at where we are today um, in terms of the complexity, the speed of change, the ambiguity that's out there, it's very hard to be able to look to history and say, you know, the way we did this 10 years ago or the way an expert has been doing this for you know, generations it is often no longer applicable in the modern way with the speed of change as it is. And therefore, actually, when you're looking at an organization and people within that organization, having a curious approach of experimentation, of asking questions, of trying things out, testing, learning, we found to be a, a fantastic way to navigate the complexity that is there now. And coupled mm. with the, the speed that skills are moving, there's a lot of research about you know, new to world skills coming, of the skills we have expiring and things, that if people are curious and learning and asking questions, then that creates a, a great advantage for organizations versus having a fixed mindset and you know, bringing the ideas that, that may have always worked in the past, but, but maybe don't work today. Mm-hmm. Garrick, I'm sure you've got more to add to that as well. Yeah, <laughs> only stuff we've researched together. So I mean, it's, it's like you know, some of the old style pyramid command and control organizations or process-led organizations. These are, these are management practices that have been around for over 3,000 years. Um, you know, with Alexander the Great trying to run Persia and so on after he had moved from Macedonia and so on. But the biggest difference in our world today, the most incredible difference is that that the digital, how we're all connected, 
and how there is access to everybody has the same amount of access to information as everybody else, potentially. Then the question is, you're faced with all of this information. How do you navigate the labyrinth? And also, as Simon says, we're speeding up so fast. I mean, 19% of current skill sets will be irrelevant in three years. Hey, Simon? There's a, and 34% of employees learned a new-to-world skill in the last three years. Uh, 34% of employees. And the half-life of a learned skill is five years. You know, this is an incredible speed. It means the things you learn at university are probably not going to be relevant unless you've got broader, universal, softer principles. And curiosity, we think, is really at the heart of how we navigate and make sense of the digital world. Absolutely. You both are so spot on because the world is getting more and more complex. And sometimes when we want to wade through complexity, when we want to wade through chaotic situations, we're often looking for simple answers. We're looking because simple answers like black or white, or do you like coffee or tea, like simple answers to simple questions help us to actually go faster. And as you said, in the digital age, we want, we just want to go race ahead faster and faster. And there's so much information. And so to actually stop and learn mm. in that complexity, one needs mm. to actually stay with the question. And that is, I yeah. guess, part of the curiosity model, right? Like stay with the question. Absolutely. Staying with the question, or as we say at the end of our book, the question is the answer. But what your, your statement really sparks in me is this idea of going faster it's not always better. As you say, we have to slow down some, you know, and stop sometimes to kind of figure out what the question is and where we're going. Because, you know, we have a whole chapter in one of our seven C's in the book uh, is criticality. And the reason why criticality and being aware of our unconscious bias is important is because if we're going really fast, we might find we just pursue the things that give us pleasure, or we just pursue the things that we know already, or we just pursue the things that reinforce the things we know already. And that that's not learning, that's not curious, and that doesn't move us forward. I mean, the thing about going fast or even slowing down <laughs> to, to question is to go to the places where we are most uncomfortable. And Curiosity is about not being afraid of data that leads us into uncomfortable places or data that, you know, from the real world that causes us to ask difficult questions or data that really flies in the face of, of our experience. So being aware of our, you know, unconscious bias and criticality, those are key skills for being curious in the digital world. I really love what you just said. Curiosity is being with the data that is uncomfortable. And when we see data that's uncomfortable, we find simple answers or we run away from it or we fight it through different mechanisms. And staying over there demands one to ask ourselves the question, where can I be wrong in my hypothesis because I'm sitting here with something uncomfortable that I'm not aware of, a new set of data, and where could I be wrong here? And if you, and I, when I ask my coaching clients this question, so where do you think you're wrong? Like, you know, when they tell me, does this happen in my office? And I didn't like that. That guy is at fault. They look at me like I don't trust them. And <laughs> the curiosity that you're talking about is to stay with that discomfort is actually looking into that question. 
Yep. And, and we talk about um, the, the psychological safety in, in the book and creating a culture where it's OK for people to be curious. Uh, it's OK for people to apply that curiosity in, in asking questions and then actually putting those questions to into test. And we talk about um, creativity and construction within the book. So there's, there's something I, I want to test out. I apply that. I experiment at the end of that, it might not work. And you could consider that as failure, but actually we consider it as that's a key part of being curious. It's a key part of innovation. And as a, as a, a manager or a leader in an organization, one needs to be able to create a culture where people can can experiment, can try things. And if it doesn't work, there's no repercussions, that actually it's encouraged. We look at it, we, we see what we can learn from that. And then we, we experiment through a different route. We ask a different curious question and we go down a different route. And without that safety, then one can't experiment, can't be curious. And ultimately, innovation is, is going to be hindered because there isn't that safety there. Oh, that's absolutely so spot on. Like you, there is a basis, a foundation of like, before we get curious here, like what is that safety net that's required, right? Yeah, yeah. that's important. Yeah, we, have, we have data to, to back that up. That, I mean, we looked at the difference between managers and leaders that teams found favorable or unfavorable. And we looked at the impact that they have on multiple engagement metrics and the point that they had the most impact on was around curiosity and there was a 22 point difference between a favorable manager and an unfavorable manager around curiosity and that makes sense intuitively to us that if you've got a manager who if you try something and fails they're going to come down on you there's going to be repercussions you're not going to try things you're not going to experiment you're not going to put yourself in a in a position where you're uncomfortable and therefore you you don't push the boundaries you you play it safe and, and innovation dies so the role of the manager is so key in actually creating that that safe environment that people can be curious and therefore can can innovate and find better ways wow so you've actually put like lots of data and science behind this yeah we've done a lot of research to try to back it up and some of our own and some where we've we've taken existing data that's out there and pulled that together to support the the seven c's model and the thinking in the book so now you have to tell us what is the seven c model I can 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 give us the start, and Garrick jump jump in and go deeper, maybe into some of them. So so it starts with with the C for context. So that's around understanding the context that we're in um, and the context that we want to be curious about. Once we know you know, what it is we want to be curious about, where we are, uh, we then need to identify the community that can help us. So who are the experts? Who are the guides? Who can help us inform our thinking? Through doing all of that, you then end up with a a wealth of information and some of it will be hugely relevant to what you're curious about. Some of it will be less relevant. So there's a, the third C is around curation. So narrowing, starting off broad, but then bringing it back down to what's going to be really helpful in me helping to, to address the thing that I'm, I'm curious about. Next C then is around creativity. So that's adding then your own views onto it. So you've looked at the data. Now, what is it that you're curious about? What is it that you're wondering about? What's the why that you want to uh, to ask so you come up with your curious questions but those questions are nothing if you don't put them into action so then we get to construction and so the construction is how do you test out an experiment whether it's yeah a test an experiment uh, trying something putting that into construction then you get to what Garrick introduced previously which is criticality so you, you've tried something you've got some results but if we apply criticality to that you know 
was it a success? Did it really work? Actually, were we are we considering it a success? But actually, it's really a confirmation bias of what we wanted to see. Uh, and actually, the data, if we mm. look at it in a in, in a critical way, maybe is 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 telling us something else. And then all of that leads on to the final C, uh, which is confidence. That if you go through that process, there's then uh, a lot of research that indicates through through being curious and going through that process, you then actually build your own confidence, and and that can help on on many levels. And that's where the seventh C is almost a loop back to the start, because in building your confidence, then you can apply that confidence into being more curious, asking you know, bigger and bolder curious questions uh, and repeating the cycle in a, in a virtuous circle. So uh, that's the context community through the curation, apply then your creativity with construction, put it into action, reflect on it with criticality, and that then builds the confidence. We had a lot of fun writing this book together. I have to say, there were moments when the research was quite dark and deep. But um, <laughs> the fun bit was when we realised that our clusters were five of the clusters that we had were began with the letter C. And then, of course, we played a game together to see if we could get all of them to begin with the letter C. Discovered we'd ended up with seven Cs, which then <laughs> really spoke to us because you know the seven Cs. And uh, we love that because for us, one of the definitions of curiosity is that curiosity is, is an attitude of wonder, I wonder if, but a spirit of exploration. The idea that I have an attitude of wonder, what's this about? But I have a spirit of exploration. I'm prepared to hop in the boat and sail across the horizon to give it a go. We love that. Actually, can, it was fun. I can kind of back that up with data. You, both, all the three of us, are here today on a new platform recording, like just happy with the spirit of exploration. Let's go explore this new digital platform and see how it turns out, even though we've been doing so many podcasts and want to do it so professionally well. So, yeah, I vouch for that exploration. <laughs> <laughs> So what was the hardest moment? Ooh. A number of us had different aha moments at different times, I have to say. I know Paul's not here with us, but Paul is really strong on, on confidence because Paul talks about his aha moments related to his children and the idea of confidence and curiosity leading to confidence. And the, the big aha moment, that, just to talk for Paul, on this, it, Paul always tells the story about how he learned that confidence comes from small failures and making small mistakes, which lead to success. And how um, he talks about rock climbers, how rock climbers climb up a, a wall, you know, they, but the things they practice are falling. They climb a meter and they fall. They climb two meters and they fall. And the reason they do that is because when you're in a critical situation like rock climbing and you're, you know, 200 meters up a hill, up a, up a steep cliff, knowing how to fall and how to have your head around you, about you, knowing how to fall and have your head about you when you fall um, from learning from failure is the thing that makes um, you successful. And the same is true for me. I'm a, I'm a musician and a composer and a, a performer. And the thing that we practice is where things go wrong so that um, when you are in that situation, you can get out of that situation, And uh, even if you make a mistake in performance. So it's this idea of, of failure. Um, that was an aha moment for Paul. My aha moment was really about criticality and that you know you talk about what was difficult well it's it's that learning these new things that sort of take you into new thing and i really became convinced through this process that um, unconscious bias and and giving all of us the skills and teaching the next generation 
the skills of, of unconscious bias and being aware of your biases. We have, we ref, reference the, the bias codex in our book, which is an amazing object, which defines at least 72 different forms of bias. But if we are aware of our biases and the next generation are aware of our biases, it really gives us the tool set to make sense of fake news and make sense of data that is corrupted or data that is is not true in some way. It also allows us to be emotionally distant. That's why we love investigative journalism. I mean, we found a lot of skills about dealing with bias um, in investigative journalism, and they do it as part of their their work. So for me, um, you know, it, it was the difficulty of coming to terms with new new thinking, which I which I loved, but it was it really moved my thinking forward. I think for me, it was around once we'd come up with the, the seven C's model. It was then sort of looking even retrospectively back into the process that we followed and to see how the model actually described the process that we'd been through. So the the context that um, I was in of, of Novartis and, and that sort of triggering the, the impetus for it, my community was built by first going to Paul and Garrick and then they introduced to others who helped with the podcast and the research and some of the, you know, looking at, at uh, editorial and all of this. So they expanded that community Collectively, we curated all of this information, this research, which was much richer because of the community that that was was built around it. We applied our creativity then of our ideas and our thinking, put it into practice with construction of actually taking the time to write it and, and experiment. Then we needed to apply criticality, and that that often meant some reasonably frank conversations between us to say, you know, <laughs> that bit's too long, or I don't think that's relevant. All or my whatever. history got taken out. <laughs> yeah, we went too deep down a rabbit hole in some True. areas. So True. yeah, so so that was the criticality, or whatever, and that collectively built our confidence to talk about it, to share it, to promote it, and and who knows in in the future. So, um, so actually, that aha moment was well, we. We didn't have the model at the start, but if you if you retrofit it, actually, yeah. you know, we, we went through the seven Cs to, to get sure. to the end product. Well, there was a moment that I found personally quite difficult, was when we thought we had the manuscript done. Do you remember this, Simon? We thought the manuscript was done, dusted, it's going to the publishers, it was going to come out. And, of course, then we started the editing process of just <laughs> dealing with the typos. Oh, my God. I think we went right through, you know, 15 cycles of editing then it had to go to the lawyers. Then we had to, you know, everything had to be signed off before, you know. So the, the lesson is when you think you finished the book, you're probably only halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And you kind of have been through that 7C model as a result of this whole process. What really gets in the way of people getting curious so several different ways to answer that. So I guess th through our research, we came across Dr. Diane Hamilton, who uh, has done a lot of research and she's written the book, uh, Cracking the Curiosity Code. And in there, she identifies four things at a personal level that, that get in the way. And she, she has this, uh, the fate model. So that's around fear, assumptions, technology and environment, the, the, the four uh, making the, the initials fate. Uh, so that those those are sort of one one set of things that would get in the way at a personal level. Uh, but then I think the the culture piece in terms of uh, we're talking about curiosity in an organisational context would be the other element that massively gets in the way. And whether that's the the influence of the manager or the leader, 
whether that's the, the sort of creating a psychologically safe environment where people can, can experiment, can be curious, and even at a, a practical level of, you know, are people encouraged to, to build new skills and to learn and, and to, to, to further develop themselves as well? So, you know, Gary, maybe other things you, you, you feel as well. I, no, I completely agree. I mean, Dr. Diane Hamilton is really, there's a great podcast which we had with her where she goes through the, the, the four, as Sam was saying. And the other things that get in the way of being curious, I think, is process. And we went through an enormous shift prior to the internet with process thinking, which is really important. And systems thinking is, is very important too. The thing is, it's really important that we stay open, even if we're in process, even if we're in a system. The reason why we need to stay open is we need to be aware of what's happening in the periphery around us. I mean, we have this conversation about what about um, highly um, secure safety situations like a pilot flying a plane, for example. You don't want your pilots to be too curious because you don't want them making it up as they go along. The point is you do need curiosity in your pilots as well because if something does go wrong, you don't want them to be in process to such an extent that they can't find the answer to the solution. You want them to have a set of skills where they can look at the context, they can map it quickly, they can be creative, or they can find solutions in a critical situation. So curiosity has its place everywhere, even within a highly specified engineering or, or safety and security type situation. As a leader in this COVID times, when we're wondering, should we go back to work? How many people should actually come back to work so that I can keep, uh, you know, my operations up and running? And uh, what advice would you give to someone in times of adversity, and especially when we're in the emotional effect, it's difficult to be curious because we're grappling then for the known in times of fear, in times of adversity. We hold on to what we know. And so what tip can you give us so that we can be more curious with what's happening around us rather than just search for and hold on to what we know? This sort of comes back a bit to the the, 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 the seven C's and the, the confidence piece. So in being curious from a, and, and Garrett talks better to this than, than I can probably do justice to, but the, the process of being curious sparks the hippocampus in the brain, which fires dopamine, which is the, the reward drug that we get. So actually the, the process of being curious actually makes us feel good. So if there's something within the current situation that you can find to that is of interest that you can be curious about outside of your 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 day to day, I guess, and the things that you're familiar with, that process will can ultimately lead you to feeling feeling good um, yeah. through that that reward process. And the the confidence piece then is we find that actually through being curious, you you end up making better decisions, uh, you end up with better communication. And all of these things help to build your your confidence ultimately. And and the rationale there is as you're thinking through different outcomes, different possibilities, which is being curious, you're evaluating all of these different approaches, and maybe you're even testing some of those out and experimenting a little into those. That process will then will then build your confidence as well. So it's as hard as it may seem if you can can find something to be curious about find maybe a community around that, then start to put that into practice, 
there's many, many reasons why that will actually uh, bring benefit, whether it's in some of the, the personal skills that it helps or whether it's in a, a neuroscience aspect around the, the sparking the reward part of the brain. So what yeah. I'm hearing is basically, to build. what I'm hearing from you, Simon, is like take a small baby step and see where you can experiment uh, curiosity and feel safe to actually experiment that even in yeah. times of adversity. So maybe you don't want to test it at work, but maybe you want to test it with your neighbors and do something like spark uh, in a com- something in a community or do something else somewhere where you feel safe to do actually be curious. And that actually triggers a certain hormone. I didn't remember which one. <laughs> and that brings you the confidence. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Interesting experience during the lockdown, talking about COVID, because I said earlier, it was not planned, but I ended up being in London, locked down for five months, pretty much on my own. Uh, my family are all over and I, uh, the world, and I tend to travel all the time. But London was where I ended up, and, and five months on my own. And I don't think I've been or lived on my own, certainly for five months, uh, for a very long time, possibly not since I was at college. And it was interesting for me. Uh, I, I have to say I learned a lot about myself but like everyone you go through ups and downs and having the the book to write during that period or toward the end of that period and and launching the book during that was a godsend it having uh, doing our podcasts on a regular basis we were talking to fascinating people who brought stimulating ideas to me really fired me up and kept me very positive the other things i learned from our book was i kept a logbook that just as if you know, you know, Captain Kirk on the Star Trek Enterprise. I know it sounds a bit nuts, but you know, <laughs> I kept a logbook on a daily basis. You know, because outside of work, there was also you know food and cleaning and and all the other things that one has to do just to survive, and also work quite hard to work on my um, my community of people and keeping a logbook. You know, what I was doing daily and my to do lists and so on was amazing. I mean, I can go through that logbook and pretty much tell how I was feeling at the time um, and and what I did to get things stimulated. And I have to say the thing that really came out of I, I play the piano. I learned a lot of Chopin. And Paul's son, Ben, who is an amazing pianist, and he's only 11 years old, he and I had Chopin competitions on Zoom, which he called the Chopin Smackdown, <laughs> which which was amazing. And, you know, things like these, keeping things open, but also – being connected to people, keeping a logbook or a diary, making it playful. These were the things that that really kept me alive, I think, kept me focused. Wonderful. And, you know, as you speak about the seven cities, like you're, you know, having this logbook and then you talk about experimentation, right? I always refer to the example of Charles Darwin when he set out on his boat and he has a logbook where he's constantly noting down what he's observing and I guess curiosity is all about that, right? Like we have, we make so many observations and what if we just write that down before we allow our brains to come up with rapid judgments? Yeah, absolutely. Being, being open to take it all in and throw the net very wide before then bringing it back and, and sort of curating it down to what are the things that are going to be most valuable and, and then then testing that out and, and maybe going wide again. But yeah, what are, what are the things that really spark your curiosity and then following that path? Thank you. Thank you. What's been one of the, and I'll, I'll come to a closure very quickly. What's been one of the biggest hurdles for you in implementing curiosity in organizations? 
So I, I guess we've started with curiosity focused heavily around learning. Um, so building one's skills, being curious about um, you know, what, what we can learn from each other, what we can learn through through developing our skills. One of the or the two biggest barriers we've found within Novartis around that have been having the time to learn and having the support from one's manager to be able to learn. So we've addressed that through an aspiration around having 100 hours of learning or 5% of people's time being spent learning. We're, we're working towards that as a, as a long-term goal. And that then creates the, the space that people can be curious uh, can ask questions, can devote time to uh, to put into their own development and, and to uh, to be experimenting. So uh, that's certainly one of, one of the challenges um, that, that we came up against. Certainly one of the things um, I've found uh, from leader, leaders as well as in myself, you know, you, I was taught in an era when you encouraged people, but you asked people, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. <laughs> and... <laughs> That's not necessarily the best way forward. I'm learning, and Stephen Bart t- actually talks about this. Stephen is one of the, the head of, what's Stephen's title, Simon? People, Chief of People and Organization. There we go. Novartis. Yep. He's amazing, and we have a great podcast with him and, and Vaz. But talk about how, as a leader, it's way more powerful to ask why people are bringing you these things, what's going on, and to ask more questions about what the situation is before you jump into problem solving. And uh, I think that's one of the key leadership skills that's needed in the, in the digital age. Thank you. I just want to leave this episode with just that, which is when somebody asks the question, like don't answer the question, right? <laughs> but actually stay with the question as to why are they bringing me that question? Like really get curious about the question because we so often want to help others and give people a solution and be known as the person who has the answers. And it's hard, right? It's hard to say, no, I it's don't hard. Know. It's hard. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Thank you so much. And before we close, I'd like to hear what's one last message you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, stay curious. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have guessed that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one last message is don't be afraid of going into difficult situations where you feel uncomfortable. Right. Brilliant. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Garrick, for being here with us. And I'll put the links to your book. And I'll also put the links to your company website, Ludic. And I'll also put the links to Novartis and to and put your LinkedIn profile, Simon, if people want to get in touch with you or with you, Garrick. And for those listening out there, if you like the episode, do go subscribe on iTunes. And I look forward to talking to you soon in one week's time. And until then, stay cool. Bye.